This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, we. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to another brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. Joining me as always is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. I can't talk too long. I gotta poo. What's up? Not a whole lot. Just watching movies, dude. Same, same. I've been rewatching a lot of movies. Yeah. Just bought a stack of Blu-rays. <laughs> how many uh is a stack uh i got a little out of hand with it i bought 23 movies on blu-ray mm. ate up my whole state uh tax refund <laughs> speaking so, of which i should file that huh probably by the time this episode comes out you're probably late when did it uh didn't they extend it for covid again did they i don't know yeah, i'm pretty I sure they did I haven't been paying attention, but uh, I got mine done. I usually do mine a little earlier in the year, but I got a little easy with it. I got another four days. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not watching WrestleMania, are you? Although you probably (laughs) could. Are you not a Comcast customer? Not really. I get internet from them. Yeah, but but you should get Peacock because of that. What is it? It's free on Peacock? Yeah. If you have Peacock, which you should get through your Comcast subscription or whatever, um, then you can watch WrestleMania. Because, I mean, I have Peacock. You don't need a subscription anymore. Yeah, because as a Comcast customer, you get the premium one, which their their tiers are really confusing because they have, like, the regular Peacock and then the premium Peacock and then, like, premium plus. Mm. And the premium one is, like... Non Comcast customers pay four ninety nine a month, but it has commercials and ads during the the shows. Yeah. Um, but for nine ninety nine, you can get it ad free. But um, they don't really explain that to you when you sign up for it. Like I didn't know about that until WWE moved over there. But um, yeah, if you have Peacock, you can watch WrestleMania. So no more uh, no more pay per view charges. Well, I, it, it's been on the WWE Network for since 2014, all the pay-per-views. But, um, you know, I was paying $9.99 a month for that, and now I don't pay for that. So it's not a bad deal. Although the back catalog is still questionable as to whether that's going to end up to be looking like. And right now it, the, it's not great, and the uh, the interface on Peacock sucks big time. So... Um, do you ever have know. problems with HBO Max the interface the thing that I hate about HBO Max is that the only place you can see your whole watch list is on like your cell phone like when you're in there on any other device like it, if it does show your list like it's only like a partial and you can't see the whole thing like you can't like extend it 
or like go to the section where it's just your list of movies that you've added. And then there's other apps uh, on different devices for it that um, they don't even have your list on there. That's fucking confusing. But I use it on my PS4 and Apple TV. In both places, there's always glitches. I mean, not every time I use it, but a lot of the times it'll freeze or it won't work properly or it'll play, but it's, you know, it has those bubbles pop up like it's, like it's uh, buffering or yeah. whatnot. And then it'll have the, the name of the show at the top of the screen. It's like half blacked out <laughs> and it's like, won't fix itself for like five, 10 minutes. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Like today I went, I went to log on there this morning and you know, the circle comes up, you know, who's watching? I click Eric. Yeah. And I had waited like five minutes before I'd actually clicked Eric because I was getting breakfast ready. And by the time I clicked it, it was just like froze basically. Like if I if I look at too many movies and you know put to add too many to my list, it'll just kind of freeze. I don't yeah. have any of these problems with any other app: Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, nothing. I don't know. I haven't had too many issues with it. Um, I used to do uh, do it through my PS4. But um, since I got a new TV a few months ago, I've been using the the app on the TV itself, which works, you know, pretty good. I haven't really had any issues with it. It is through the X1 cable box now. So I have cable through Xfinity. So if I needed to watch it through there, I could. But I, I prefer watching through my TV because I haven't upgraded to a 4K cable box yet. So... I figure I got better resolution watching it directly through the TV. Mm -hmm. Um, Although I was watching the 2014 Godzilla last week and through the smart TV app, like they fucked up the, the aspect ratio. Like it's like a, what's that? Did they zoom box it? Yeah. Is that what they call it? So like it's, super widescreen and instead of putting letter boxes at the top and the bottom they like stretched it to fit yeah it's like anamorphic they turn into 16.9 yeah and i couldn't for the life of me figure out how to get it off like i couldn't change my tv settings while i was in the app but like when i went out and i turned off like fit to screen or whatever so that it shouldn't do that it still went in and did it but like when I tried watching it through the X1 app, it was fine. I couldn't figure out why. I think HBO Max did that too. Uh, I watched an episode of Reno 911 the other day. Yeah. And it was terribly zoomed in because I'm pretty sure that was a 4.3 show, wasn't it? I think so because I think I, I was on before they did HD. I have the DVDs, but I was like, well, it's, you know, it's an HD on here. I can just, you know rather than get the dvds out right just watch it here but i don't know it's weird because it it cuts off the tops of their heads sometimes when they're doing testimonials (laughs) that's strange because like there's other things i watch on there and they're letterboxed fine like looney tunes is all four by three Hmm. i've been watching batman the animated series that's four by three like i don't I don't know how they decide which ones to fuck up and which ones to, to leave how they're supposed to be. But yeah. I thought it was very strange that like, it depended on what app you watched it on. 
uh, of what aspect ratio you got. Because like, it should be the same no matter what app or, you know, what device you open the app with. Yeah. Well, Netflix does that a lot. They'll change aspect ratios. They may have gotten better lately. I'm not sure, but they're always really terrible at doing that sometimes. And uh, HBO, like just watching through cable, they always <laughs> zoom box like everything. They very rarely ever have like, you know, bars at the top and bottom. Everything's always stretched. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really noticed it when I watch stuff on like the live channels. At least not to the point where like watching Godzilla, like it was super noticeable. Like everybody was like skinnier than how they, you know, everything was just like smushed in from yeah. the sides. And I, I can't remember watching any movies like that I've recorded off the live feeds of the premium channels I have where like it seems like something's not right. Now it could be that they like zoomed in and chopped off part of the screen. So like the, the actual like, like um, aspect ratio of the, the care, you know, what's on screen looks right, but you're just missing part of the edges. But I can't remember seeing ones where it's like, damn, that's, that's fucking like, uh, you know, smushed in or stretched out and it, it looks weird. So I don't know. I get, I had to turn off watching Godzilla on uh, on that HBO Max app on my TV because it was just so frustrating. Like, why is everybody so smushed together? To provide a contrast to Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say, I turned it off before I got to Godzilla, and then when watching later, I think the uh, the scene where they show his cankles wouldn't wouldn't have been as impressive on the. <laughs> <laughs> the smushed in version. But I won't rate Godzilla today. I got other stuff to talk about. Indeed, we do. Uh, today is a recently seen episode. And before we get into what we're watching, we should probably remind the listeners how our unique rating system works. It's been a while since we've done that. So we have a five tiered rating system. It's kind of like a five star system, but it's a little different. Uh, the top tier, the best of the best, is the WTM ASAP category. Watch these movies as soon as possible. These are old classics, uh, new hidden gems, but it, it's the cream of the crop. There's pretty much nothing wrong with them. Or we kind of deem them to be, I guess, the highest priority on your, on your list. This is all kind of a way to help you prioritize your viewing list. Yeah. Next step down would be Soonish. Watch this movie, Soonish. Uh, these are movies that just kind of miss the uh, the cut for the top of the top or the tip of the top, whatever you want to call it. And uh, But yeah, those are all great movies. And the middle tier is Eventually. It's kind of our official stamp of approval. Uh, we recommend that you watch these movies eventually, at least before you die. They are worth your time. Uh, next step down would be A Last Resort. And there's some movies in here that we like, some we don't, uh, but we don't hate them enough to put them in the, the terrible never category. But, you know, it's just kind of miss, misses the cut for eventually. We don't necessarily think it's going to be necessary, but there might be some movies in there that you really like. Uh, might be some hidden gems for you, but, you know, if it's on TV, you know, you could do worse, but 
that's where the never category comes in. Just movies you should never watch. Not worth your time. I always give the example of like Rocky Five. That's a that's a never. <laughs> what did you see, Clarice? What did you see? So this week we are talking Zack Snyder's Justice League. We both watched it. The Snyder Cut. It's real. <laughs> we we did it, people. We made it. <laughs> Uh, directed by Zack Snyder, starring Henry Cavill, Ben Affleck, Gal Gadot or Godot. I've heard both. Gal Gadot. I, I don't know. I always say Godot, but I, I think it might be Gadot. She's Israeli. It's not French. I pronounce it the French way just because <laughs> it's fun. Uh, Amy Adams, Ray Fisher, Jason Momoa, Ezra Miller, Willem Dafoe. Jesse Eisenberg, Jeremy Irons, Diane Lane, Connie Nielsen, J.K. Simmons, Amber Heard, Joe Morton, who reprises his role from Terminator 2. <laughs> it ends the exact same way for him. <laughs> uh, who else? Uh, I think that'll about do it. Synopsis. Determined to ensure Superman's ultimate sacrifice was not in vain, Bruce Wayne aligns forces with Diana Prince and plans to recruit a team of metahumans to protect the world from an approaching threat of catastrophic proportions. So did you rewatch Joss Whedon's Justice League in preparation for this? <laughs> no, I didn't. Neither I, did I. Uh, I did not want to revisit that one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I was skeptical of the Snyder Cut. Like when they announced it, I thought, you know, what's the point of this, you know? And and then they said, oh, it's going to be in six months we're going to release it. And I thought, well, who's going to even remember this in six months? And and like once the trailers start coming out, like this looks pretty fucking good. Like yeah. this is not the Justice League I remember. And, I was an uh, early believer in the movement, <laughs> mostly because of uh, Batman versus Superman, the Ultimate Edition which is basically the director's cut, the three-hour cut. I mean, I liked Batman versus Superman, but the Ultimate Edition was a lot better. Yeah, I haven't watched that yet. But after seeing Zack Snyder's Justice League, I'm like, fuck, I gotta go back and watch all them director's cuts that people were saying were so much better than the theatrical versions of his movies. Yeah. I mean, there's some, uh, you know, some truth to that is what I'm seeing. Yeah. And I remember when I saw Man of Steel in the theater, I was kind of meh. And then I've watched it, I think, twice since then. And I've liked it better each time I've watched it. These movies work really well as a trilogy. Because it was originally planned to be a five-film arc. Mm -hmm. Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, Justice League 1, 2, and 3. And that's why we're trying to restore the Snyderverse now. <laughs> yes. I'm on board with that. I I do need to go back and rewatch the other uh, movies that he's done, because like, you know, like I said, like I I didn't appreciate them like watching them the first time, but like seeing the difference between this Justice League and the one they released, like I think like I have a more appreciation of what his vision is as far as like the whole thing goes and like especially if they have like director's cuts of those you know man of steel i don't know if man of steel has one but like you said they have the ultimate edition of batman versus superman 
Like, I want to watch that. I want to see that. But also, I want to go back and watch, like, the director's cut of Watchmen. And then um, I want to rewatch Sucker Punch and, like, all these other movies that he did where, like, shit, maybe these are better than I gave him credit for. Because, like, I, I think I have a better understanding of what I'm getting into now. Whereas, like, when I went to, you know, when I saw those movies in the past, I thought, well, I, I was expecting something different than what I got. And um, I don't know. I'll, I'll say this. The Zack Snyder's Justice League was one of the best superhero movies I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it's four hours long. It's a, it's, you know, you know, it's a long movie to sit through. It is broken up into parts. But, like, every time I thought, well, maybe I'll take a break after this part. Like, it would start. And I'm like, oh, shit, I got to sit and watch this part because I'm, I'm fucking hooked, you know? But, like, it was fantastic. Like, the action scenes were great. The characters were awesome. Like, I've never cared about any of these characters. Like, Superman, I was yeah, okay with, but, like, not a huge fan. Batman, I've always liked, but, like, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash. Like, I really couldn't have cared less about these characters, but, like, he made me care about them. Yeah. Like, that's, that's a huge accomplishment, in my opinion. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, I remember when they were making Justice League. This is even, I think, before Zack Snyder left to uh, tend to his family. This is his wife, or sorry, his daughter had committed suicide. I had heard reports from set talking about the movie and what it was like, and they were saying that Ray Fisher's cyborg was kind of the emotional backbone of the movie, and the story kind of revolved around him. It was like really about his journey. I remember thinking, I knew nothing of Cyborg. Wasn't really interested. Right. But I mean, I was interested for the purposes of seeing the movie. Like, okay, I'll see how it goes. Because it's supposed to be, you know, like the biggest part of this movie. And I I guess I kind of equated it to, uh, I remember when Iron Man came out. And I never read the comics. Didn't really know much about it. I was like, I have no interest. (laughs) And then, you know, Robert Downey Jr. kind of made it his own. And not that all the Iron Man movies are great. I got problems with a lot of Marvel movies. Only seen maybe half of them. But, like, I really enjoyed Iron Man. Not expecting to. And so I thought, well, maybe this will be another Iron Man type thing where it's a character I don't know anything about. But uh, it'll, I don't know, it'll get me excited, I guess kind of make me want to see more movies of Cyborg, that sort of thing. And then Justice League came out and Ray Fisher is barely in it. <laughs> right? Like they tell you how he came to be Cyborg and that's about it. There's no personal journey with his father. and like there's, no, there's no character arc whatsoever. And the same as kind of said for Aquaman and the Flash their characters aren't given a whole lot to do in Joss Whedon's Justice League yeah it is like I could tell like they cut out a lot and that was about the same time that the ultimate edition of Batman vs Superman came out and that was better than the theatrical and it's because it's like well maybe Zack Snyder should just be given room to do what he wants no kidding like if okay, if if you're gonna allow somebody to film like a three hour movie, 
like you can't just cut out a half hour because you're cutting out a lot of the story it's like they just want it well we need to make it shorter so we can have uh just action and just you know keep it exciting for the fans and it's like all these marvel movies that do well are all two hours 20 minutes two and a half hours anyways yeah. wasn't end game three hours end game was at least three hours yeah so like i can see from a studio standpoint they want to keep it shorter so they can have more you know screenings throughout the day shorter movie you can show mm-hmm. more times but it's never a problem for the marvel movies and they're long as fuck so why not do it for this you can't just i don't know cut out because i had heard uh stories about Zack snyder wanting to make justice league in two parts so i could see the four hours where that kind of came right. from but i think that was when started to go through kind of development hell where it was uh, they were kind of getting rid of the Snyderverse. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, you're not getting three movies anymore. And then maybe he said, well, maybe I'll just make this into two. I'm not sure of the timeline there. But yeah, you can tell once they kind of let Zack Snyder finish his vision, it's it's a complete vision. It's It makes sense. It's a completely different movie than what they released in theaters. Like, I mean, it was, it's almost unrecognizable compared to what the theatrical release was and i mean it just goes to show like Zack snyder knows what he's doing if you just let him do what he needs to do like just leave him be stop meddling in his shit now i know you can't release like a four-hour movie to theaters that's probably not very feasible but you know you also can't like you said you can't give a guy the assignment to go make a two and a half three hour long movie and then after he's done filming it tell him well now you only get two hours you know like like well i made it so it's three hours because that's what you told me i had and now nothing like half of this isn't going to make sense because i got to cut out like all the scenes that set this stuff up like it it's going to be really disjointed and like it's not going to make sense and I think like that's happened to him a lot of times is like a lot of the complaints that I, I don't know, maybe I'm making this up, but I, I feel like a lot of complaints against Zack Snyder's movies are like they're disjointed and like there's, it doesn't seem to mesh, like the, the story doesn't mesh correctly. Well, that may be because he's got to cut 20 or 30 minutes out of the fucking runtime that he expected to have there. And then once you put those pieces back in, like, it makes way more sense. Like, he doesn't have a lot, like, like, like there's no fat to trim off of his uh, cut of the, the Justice League, but it's four hours long. Like, when you start cutting out the stuff that makes you have an emotional connection to these characters, like, at the end of the day, like, it's not going to connect with the fans. Like, people are going to be like, why should I care about The Flash? when all he is is you know he cracks jokes and he runs really fast or aquaman just shows up out of nowhere and he can manipulate water like why should i care about him it's like well if you put those scenes in there to tell me why i should care about him (laughs) about those characters it makes it a whole lot better yeah so uh yeah let's uh keep hitting those retweets and those like buttons let's uh get the snyderverse restored that's another thing I don't get. WB has this huge hit on their hands with Zack Snyder's Justice League. It's like one of the most talked about movies in years. And they got fans begging for them to continue the series. And they're like, 
Nah, I don't think so. We're going to go a different direction. Yeah, although I've heard that The Rock could restore the Snyderverse himself <laughs> because of Black Adam coming out. And the rumor is, is that he wants to be on screen alongside Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Gal Gadot. He wants, nice. he wants that trinity. He doesn't want this new Superman, this new, you know, new anything. He wants, he wants Zack Snyder's um, Snyderverse, if you will. So if he demands that, I think the Warner Brothers people are going to have to uh, do it. I hope so. I mean, they already have an out anyways with this Flash movie coming up that's going to establish the multiverse. You know, they're talking about having Michael Keaton come back and maybe he's going to be a Batman Beyond Batman or something like that. Or Because now there's a new rumor that Christian Bale is in talks to return. So this is, I don't know. This stuff is confusing, this multiverse shit. Yeah. Like, so there's, like, I don't know. So they're saying like, that they probably wouldn't get both. Keaton and Christian Bale, it's probably going to be an either or because Michael Keaton was asked about it and he said he wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do it yet or not. So, and then there was another report saying that Robert Pattinson's Batman is on Earth 2. (laughs) You know, Earth 2, which has to do with, I think, the multiverse that's in the comics and whatnot. There's multiple Earths, Uh, superheroes. So that would allow... Ben Affleck and Robert Pattinson to be Batman at the same time because they're on different Earths. <laughs> so there's ways they can do it. It's it's like I think yeah. it's like I know some of the executives at Warner Brothers have moved on, but some of them have got to be still there. At least like the God who was talking about it. The uh, oh the writer Chris Terrio, who wrote Argo and then was brought on to help with Batman vs Superman Justice League. Yeah. Uh, he was talking about being at some dinner, the early stages of Justice League, and some like it wasn't like a hedge fund manager, but it was some like Wall Street type or venture capitalist type who was like a big uh, had a lot of invested in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's where a lot of the capital was coming from, and he's given him notes on how to write Batman and Superman and whatnot. It was an article from uh, was it Variety or maybe Hollywood Reporter or something? But he's talking about the all the behind uh, behind the scenes uh, chaos of Batman versus Superman and Justice League. It's very interesting, but yeah, you could tell that a lot of the executives had their hands in the pot. Too many cooks in the kitchen, and it just ruined everything. That's I don't know. That's one thing these executives need to figure out is like you need to let the artist make the art. Like, I get that you have your fucking statistics and, you know, what sells and what doesn't, but, like, it doesn't work that way. Like, you gotta let people create their own, like, vision of stuff. Um, And I was gonna say, too, like, with this uh, multiverse stuff, like, I don't know. Like, I don't understand the idea of making like a bunch of movies with the same character but they're different characters you know like how many jokers can you have how many batmans can you have and then like oh we're gonna have a a superman but he's gonna be black and we're gonna have this and we're gonna have that and it's like why can't you just create a new character like like you especially with like the having a black superman like it's a it's an established character. 
and they're doing it you know they're gonna do a race swap because you know uh they know it's gonna be controversial and they're gonna get a lot of buzz about it but it's like why can't you just create a new superhero that's black with a new story and a new backstory and a new identity instead of reusing an established character and then riling people up by saying well now he's black you know because like i keep hearing that like your race is part of your lived experience and your personal identity like i think black superman would have a different backstory than white superman wouldn't he yeah but like oh, this... why why does it have to be the same character like just make a new character i mean i've heard all those reports too about the new black superman movie but i'll believe it when i see it because that movie's gonna tank in china and oh yeah yeah I just I just think they'd be really tentative to do that. I feel like it's like I said, it's just a way to drum up publicity because they know it's gonna be controversial. Yeah. Like and then they, they say, Oh, it's for diversity and representation. And it's like, well, you know, you can have diverse representation without using these old properties that are well established and you know, have been, you know, the same thing for decades, you know, decades, like Superman or Batman or whatever. But, I mean, it's pretty clear that it's just a publicity ploy to, you know, show how woke you are. And, uh, but it's like, you know, you got The Rock playing this Black Adam character. I don't know anything about that character, but, like, don't you have any other like diverse characters you could bring to screen that aren't Superman? Like you can, they could have done it with uh, new stars. Martian Manhunter and Zack Snyder had to fight so hard just to keep that little cameo in. Yeah. But like you mentioned like Marvel, they brought in, you know, the, the black Panther character. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, somebody that I don't know if they've done any other movies or TV shows like animated or otherwise with that character before the MCU. Cyborg's um, a great black character. Cyborg. I mean, you, you must have other characters that you can bring to the screen where you don't have to piss off your fan base by making these, you know, random changes to the character that don't make any sense just because you want to be more, you know. Well, I'm sure um, the executives are... I mean, I know that they'd be tentative because of China, but maybe they think, well, maybe we just lose, you know, 30 or 40 million in China. I mean, not lose, but not, you know, not make as, as 30, 40, and they can make it up in the domestic and other areas of the international box office because of, they look at Black Panther and they'll say, well, look at this one, because it made over a billion dollars. And, uh, right. but that one was marketed as like the first black superhero movie, even though it wasn't. But that's what they said it was. And so it I made mean, it like I'd... a big book movement. But now they can't use that for a new one. They could say, well, it's the first black Superman, but that's that's not going right. to take them as far. <laughs> yeah. Well, especially when you have a Superman. Like I said, like it's, it's kind of getting annoying to the point where it's like, you know, you have simultaneously series for, you know, like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, and then they're going to make a sequel on that. And then Jared Leto's Joker, who, you know, was in Suicide Squad, and now he's in the Snyder cut of Justice League. And presumably he would be in sequels to Snyder's Justice League. Mm -hmm. 
And then, you know, Batman, they have the Ben Affleck Batman, and then the fucking Robert Pattinson Batman, and then they're going to have a different Batman in the Flash movie. And they stop making, like, multiple series based on the same character played by different actors. Like, I mean, bring in some new characters if you're going to do stuff like that. Yeah, I think like Walter Hamada and some other executives that are at Warner Brothers, they just don't want to admit that they're wrong yeah. with the Ray Fisher allegations um, in terms of their vision of the future. So now I think they can see that they're wrong. The Snyder Cut is proof of that. But they don't want to go back and revert to the Snyderverse because that would mean that they're wrong. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that's it's just kind of a you know, their egos can't be damaged. I think that would be the one reason that the Snyderverse won't happen. But, like I said, I think The Rock could change that. Uh, if we continue to make noise, if our toxic <laughs> fandom creates enough of a voice. So that's another thing that bothers me. Every fan base has toxicity in it, or criticism, if you will. <laughs> but it's well, just like, it's like... The, like the DC fandom, it's like they view them as like Republicans and the Marvel fans are Democrats. And it's like the Marvel fans are never toxic. And if the people that are, it's, you know, from right wingers on 4chan and whatnot, you know, complaining right. about Captain Marvel and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's almost like they lump in like Zack Snyder and all these other people. And it's like, they are not Republicans. <laughs> And like there was an interview with Zack Snyder recently where he, he wants to make uh, what's it called the Fountainhead, Ian Rand book. Yeah, she did. Oh, yeah, yeah, shrugged. Yeah. And there's another book she did called uh, the Fountainhead, I believe. I mean, I'm not a big expert on that book. I haven't read it. Don't know all that much about it. But Zack Snyder has wanted to make it, and uh, he said, but he can't make it right now. And he, he said the country's too divided and he wants to wait until there's a, a little more um, of a liberal uh, administration in the White House. And this is after Biden was elected. So uh, <laughs> like, if he wants left of Biden, I'm pretty sure he's not a righty. Let's <laughs> do more liberal, liberal administration. Wow. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I thought liberals hated Ayn Rand. I thought yeah. Ayn Rand was like too right wing. But um Yeah. Libertarian. The funny thing Yeah, the funny thing about um the toxic fandom is like you're only labeled toxic if you disagree with like the corporations who are in charge. Like Star Wars fans are toxic because they didn't like that Kelly Marie Tran. Yeah, that Disney came in and they turned like all the uh, all the characters into like a diversity poster, like you see in the uh, you know in your office, you know one of them stock photos where everybody's a different color and there's somebody in a wheelchair and and then all the bad guys are you know middle aged white dudes, <laughs> you know <laughs> it's such a a clear message that they're trying to send. Um, whereas like Star Wars before, I don't know, maybe they had some of that political stuff in the old Star Wars, but it wasn't like the focus, like the focus was on the story, not on the message. And so like, if you don't like what Disney did to Star Wars, you're toxic. If you don't like 
that Joss Whedon came in and ruined Justice League, you're toxic. You yeah. know, like because I don't there was understand. A, there was at what that. point was at what point did it become cool to be pro corporation? Because that seems like where everybody's gone these days. Like not just with movies, but with like a lot of stuff. It's like everybody's pro corporation, pro government. And it's like, well, when did that happen? Because like in the '90s, it was cool to be the other way, like anti-authority and politically incorrect. And like now, all of a sudden, if you're you know just a little bit against the norm, you're toxic. And it's I don't know, I don't like it. It's like even Kelly Marie Tran has millions of fans. There's millions of Star Wars fans out her that liked her, and liked the Last Jedi. There was like five hundred or a thousand angry assholes who probably said racist shit to her who gives a fuck it's a 500 or a thousand people no she had to leave social media oh boohoo the label of toxic fandom just pisses me off because i remember when i saw last jedi i saw it opening weekend i think it was maybe saturday and i went on rotten tomatoes i saw that it had like a 90 i don't know two percent or something like that and i was pumped i was so excited i didn't look at the audience score and i don't even know if it was like really low at that point or not yeah i had no idea but i just remember like thinking oh this is gonna be so fucking great and like there's been plenty of times in the past where i'll be really excited for a movie got a good rating i went in and i loved it like it's very rare that it doesn't you know, even if it's like, oh, if it's, if I think it's going to be a 10 out of 10 and it's a nine, like I'm not disappointed or pissed off. Like, oh, it's a pretty damn good movie. Right. And I'm watching The Last Jedi in the theater and the whole time I'm just like, when is this going to get good? Like every other <laughs> scene, I'm like, this makes no sense. Like, what, what the fuck is this? This is supposed to be a good movie. Right. It was like so jarring to, to see what I was seeing on the screen juxtaposed with you know, 92 or ever percent. Remember I went back home office that night or the next day and I went on there and I saw that audience score. I'm like, it's a really low audience score. <laughs> and then I, then I went online and I saw that there was a backlash growing. And that's, I mean, that's yeah. how I know it was bullshit because I had knew nothing about this backlash or fan disapproval until after I had already seen it. And after right. I had already hated it. I had, li- I had liked The Force Awakens, even though it was, you know, A New Hope repackaged. And it, right. I mean, it was enjoyable to me. I didn't think it was great. It was just like, this is, this is fun. It was fun to see Han Solo again and whatnot. Well, they gave you what you wanted to see, right? Yeah. You know, like, like the whole point of doing the new trilogy was like nostalgia. And like, they gave you the nostalgia. And then The Last Jedi comes out and Ryan Johnson's like, Hey, remember all that stuff that's been built up over the last like 10 movies? Well, I'm going to shit on that and we're going to do something completely different. And we're just going to like change all the rules. And like, if you don't like that, you're toxic. You know, if you don't like that, this character who happens to be Asian randomly shows up, has no purpose whatsoever in the movie, does something really stupid at the end. If you don't like that, you're toxic and racist. You know, it's like, well, maybe your movie's just not good. You know, like maybe, maybe, you know, maybe the fans who've been with you since like the beginning or, you know, people have picked it up along the way. Maybe you should give them a little bit of say in like what direction your movies go. 
like it's okay to go kind of outside the box on some of these things but like you can't alienate your your main fan base and then get mad when they get mad yeah that was another thing like ryan johnson before last jedi i was so excited that he was going to direct it i was like this is going to be great so i loved brick really liked looper and then this was coming i was like oh he's a great science you know fiction writer director this will be great exact opposite yeah well i had seen stuff that i don't know when he said it, if it was before or after but like he's like i intentionally fucked with this stuff because i wanted to piss off star wars fans it's like why are you making star wars movies to piss off star wars fans like that doesn't make any sense to me yeah that's a whole nother <laughs> can of worms <laughs> with star wars but you know the toxic fandom it's like they it seems like the critics think that marvel is left wing and dc's right wing i don't think that's that's the case well marvel gets so little uh criticism from fans like anytime that there's any just basic backlash on anything marvel does like it's like shocking like it must be these you know the you know angry white men who hate diversity who are coming after marvel for pushing diverse characters like maybe your movies just suck <laughs> you know like like maybe maybe your movies are just bad like mm-hmm. have you ever thought about that if you have like that many people giving negative reviews maybe maybe the movie just wasn't good like are you sure that people are just sabotaging it because they hate women <laughs> like i don't know weren't they like with captain marvel too like weren't they uh weren't they going in with bots and putting like they were copy and pasting the same positive review yeah. on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, I remember seeing and that. And then they were deleting all the negative ones. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, like that's more toxic than just letting your fans express their opinion in your movie. Yeah, they were copying and pasting these, this positive review over and over again on the, all these different <laughs> reviewers, quote unquote. Yeah. And I'm sure both sides do that. Like I know there's trolls out there, you know, the toxic fans, whether it's with DC or Marvel, you know, I'm sure they, they go in there, they write a shitty review for a movie they haven't seen and they probably copy and paste it a hundred times. But you could tell it was kind of like, well, Disney's behind this. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the reports that came out uh, with Captain Marvel. Saw some YouTube videos. Not that, you know, it's, 100% true or accurate, but this guy was examining the ticket sales, and this is the week. So it opened, I can't remember if it opened on a weekend or maybe it was like an early release, like a Wednesday. Yeah, I forget. Either way, it was like a, you know, a huge weekend, you know, number one, you know, over $100 million, all that. And this guy was looking, he was in the UK, and he was looking at tickets on Tuesday night. The, f- the following Tuesday. So it's still within the first week of release. It's a Tuesday night, but if it's the biggest movie, you should, uh, I mean, it probably won't you know, be sold out necessarily, but you'd expect it to be uh, half full. This, these, yeah. The theaters weren't even a quarter full. And it was like all these, and like the tickets that were sold, well, I guess it, it was two different reports. So the video, the guy was like clicking on tickets and there was, the theaters were barely a quarter full, something like that. This is a Tuesday night at a, 
at a big city theater. And which kind of made it seem a little, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, doesn't seem like uh, there's too high of a demand for these tickets. Right. And then there was uh, these other reports that he was looking at, like these tweets and people that work at movie theaters saying that it was Friday and Saturday. They had exactly 25 no-shows for each show. So 25 people <laughs> didn't show up for the tickets each show. But they paid for them. Yeah. So it counts as a ticket sold. So, I mean, I've worked at the movie theater. Once in a while, you have no-shows, you know. Somebody gets in a car accident or they get sick and they can't, you know, resell the ticket, whatever. But you don't have exactly 25 each show. Right. Now, there was a couple of these reports. Now, not saying that it's 100% true, can't verify it, but it would uh, be advantageous to, for Disney to make all their shows sold out so that they have the number one movie in the world if it's breaking records oh other people are going to go see it you may think it's kind of productive to buy tickets for your own movie since you're not making money off of that you're spending money but they can put it in the promotional budget and if they get uh you know box office records the number one movie in america that they can show that on advertisements for the next week or two saying oh this is this is a movie everyone has seen you got to come and see it they're trying to make it up and make more in the second and third weekends because there's always a big drop off. It's like, you know, if there's only like a 50% drop off the second week, that's pretty good. Or like a 30, 35% drop off. That would be incredible. Right. But Captain Marvel sucked. So <laughs> yeah, I never watched that's it. bad. <laughs> she like switches sides in the middle. Like she starts fighting on one side and then like in the middle, Somebody from the other side says, no, we're the good guys. And she's like, okay, <laughs> I'm fighting with you guys now. <laughs> like, those, it made uh, no sense. Those reports about um, the other cast members of the Marvel movies being kind of pissed off at Brie Larson, or at least her character. Because like, she's such a big part of like Endgame. And well, she's like, really <laughs> relevant to the rest of the entire series. And it kind of felt like you know, they were I know, slighted a little bit. Well, even in Endgame, yeah, even in Endgame, she shows up at the beginning and she's like, "Oh, I'll see you guys later," and <laughs> yeah. then she doesn't show up till the end. <laughs> Let me come back and save the day for y'all. Oh, I got other stuff to do, so um, yeah, why don't you enjoy your sandwiches and you know mourn for another hour and a half, and then I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you at the end of the movie. Endgame wasn't very. I I didn't like Endgame either. So the Snyder Cut, I would put that way above Endgame as yeah. far as movies to watch as far as uh comic book movies yeah well we should probably give Zack snyder's justice league a rating we rambled on and on for a while here about different things <laughs> <laughs> what rating do you give Zack snyder's justice league i'm gonna give it a wtm soonish all right i will agree with you soonish I think it's also it's kind of an important movie for what it means ramifications for the future of film what fans can do vote with your dollars vote with your likes and retweets on twitter <laughs> we want the studios to give us what we want you know we're, we're happy to pay for it right you know, i'd buy i know i would have bought a ticket to see this in the movie theater maybe even two Possibly. Maybe 25. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
yeah it's a great movie regardless like it's it's worth checking out and you know like it doesn't drag like it's four hours but it never drags it never feels like overly long like everything fits together just perfectly um it's not Mm -hmm. quite an asap uh but like is it one of the best comic book movies that i can remember ever seeing all right well we went a little long on that so let's just do one more each you completed the movie challenge for only god forgives so i will go next i need to go last and i'm going to talk about coming to america this is a 2021 release on amazon prime was going to go theatrical but because of covid they sold it to amazon coming to america was directed by craig brewer starring eddie murphy arsenio hall sherry headley jermaine fowler leslie jones tracy morgan kiki lane wesley snipes john amos james earl jones tiana taylor morgan freeman Louis Anderson. I think they'll about do it. There's a lot of a lot of cameos in here. Synopsis. The African monarch Akeem learns he has a long lost son in the United States. He must return to America to meet this unexpected heir and build a relationship with his son. So the sequel that everyone was clamoring for for the past twenty years. <laughs> Thirty. <laughs> Thirty years. Yeah. Well, I like Coming to America quite a bit. It's, I think it's great. One of Eddie Murphy's best, especially like uh, the different characters he does, all the different character work. Um, so I was you know, excited enough to see this. My expectations were tampered a little bit or tempered uh, when the, it came out and everyone was saying like, eh, not very good. <laughs> yeah, I've heard some mixed reviews on it. You haven't seen it yet? No, I actually tried rewatching the original one because I fell asleep the first time I watched it. I fell asleep watching it again. <laughs> so, did you have the itis? I did. I I don't know. I I get like half hour in and then I I'm out for like you know forty five minutes and I wake up and it's ending. I'm like, oh, I guess I didn't see that middle part again. You make it past the cleaning of the royal penis and he gets to New York and then it's, you're out. <laughs> they get to like the barbershop stuff and I. Uh, <laughs> so I, I might give it another try uh so i can watch the sequel because like i've heard good things about the first one like people love that one um but uh yeah i don't know i don't know if i've maybe i did see the whole thing one time uh but it was a long time ago well the problem you're gonna run into is he doesn't do any fat characters in here so i think it was not like, a lot of fart jokes like i i noticed like how young he looks playing the old characters in the original one and like how skinny he is. And I'm like, I don't know if this works for me. Like, I don't know. Maybe they work better if he's playing those characters now. Cause he's like the same age that they were in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Arsenio Hall was good in the first one as well. I liked his characters. It's like a good all around solid movie. You know, not my favorite of his, but one of his best ones, I'd say. And the sequel is basically a rehash of the first. 
which a lot of sequels are. So it wasn't like I was, oh, I can't believe they did that. I'm so disappointed. I kind of expected that to a certain degree. Well, they kind of flip it. It's more of like coming to Africa is what they could have called, or Zamunda, if you will. Yeah. A fictitious country it, that uh, Keem's from. This is basically about his long lost son acclimating to Zamunda to uh, take the throne. Or it'll, he'll be prince and then eventually take the throne. Okay. Because uh, Akeem is going to be king. He's still not the king? No, James Earl Jones is still kicking. Jesus Christ. God, James Earl Jones looked so old in that first <laughs> one, too. Like He seemed like he was like in his 60s. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's been around he quite a while. So, yeah, it's like uh, it's fish out of water, but it's fish out of Zamundan water in this one, not uh, Queens, New York. I mean, that sounds like it could be funny. Yeah. There is some some funny moments, but uh, largely, I guess I was a little disappointed. It was fun to see some of the characters again. It's always good to see Tracy Morgan in anything oh, these yeah. days. He's always great. Didn't have enough Tracy Morgan, so that's one problem. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the rehash a lot of the jokes... Some of them are actually decent rehashes, but a lot of them aren't. <laughs> so <laughs> um, it's probably too long because I think it's, eh, it's an hour and 15 minutes. So maybe not too long. I mean, about probably 10, 15 minutes. But the first one was, yeah, the first one was actually a little longer, but you know, there's some good, good messages in the first one. It like it, you know, it's kind of, it's a love story. It's, you know, there's different themes that kind of allow it to be a little bit longer of a movie rather than just a, you know, 90 minute right. comedy. There's a little more drama and family values and themes involved. That's why people love it, the drama, the even out the comedy. Yeah. So I guess this one just seemed longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a good thing, right? That it feels longer <laughs> than it is. <laughs> yep. Like we just talked about the Snyder Cut, which is twice as long, but probably feels about half as long. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. So I would just say that, yeah, there's a few decent laughs. If you if you like the first one, you know, it wouldn't hurt to see this one. Maybe you'll get some laughs out of it, but I will give it a last resort. That's a last resort. All right. So, yeah, I guess I'm saying you shouldn't, watch coming to america just to see the sequel <laughs> you should watch the first one just to see the first one and if you really like it then you can maybe watch think one. of the sequel i'll try <laughs> i almost uh i don't know i'm trying to think if because i feel like people who really like the first one didn't like the second one as much but people who didn't who, who liked the first one okay thought the the second one was just as good or like close to it Mm-hmm. Like they they like the sequel a little bit better than the people who were like really into the first one. Maybe it'll be like uh, Super Troopers for you. Or you I, you uh, really like the sequel? I preferred the sequel, although both of them are good. Yeah. All right, you completed the movie challenge for Only God Forgives. That's right. Uh, it came out in 2013. It was directed by Nicholas Winding Refn. Stars Ryan Gosling. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, Vitaya Panzringram, 
Yayang Ratha Pangam? I don't know. I can't pronounce some of these names. Tom Burke. That's probably enough. No, Tom Burke's the guy with the hair lip. The brother. Yeah. He's not in it for very long. <laughs> he's uh he's quite the character though. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, he's a real uh, fan favorite. Audience <laughs> um, loves him. No, they don't. <laughs> he's awful. Uh, synopsis is Julian, a drug smuggler thriving in Bangkok's criminal underworld, sees his life get even more complicated when his mother compels him to find and kill whoever is responsible for his brother's recent death. So I guess we're going to just come out of the bag right away and uh, his brother dies. <laughs> Quite deservedly so, as we kind of alluded to. <laughs> so I don't I guess I didn't really get that he was a drug smuggler. He and his brother kind of run a boxing gym or a, a Muay Thai gym in Bangkok. But I don't know. Did uh did they like show him smuggling drugs? Like I didn't really get that. I think they might have mentioned it, maybe the cops did. Okay. Like known to do that or I mean, later when you meet the mother, Kristen Scott Thomas, you can kind of, they allude to the fact that she runs a bit of like a criminal empire. Okay. And Ryan Gosling's in hiding, basically, in Thailand. Like, there was a, um, I, I guess, I don't know, I, maybe I didn't catch that for some reason, but um, they did, we, we could talk about it, you know, when we get into the spoilers later, but they do give a reason why Ryan Gosling's character is in Bangkok. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't, it didn't seem drug related. But yeah, so his brothers are all piece of shit. Wasn't, didn't, uh, wasn't it like a drug deal towards the beginning of the movie? Like on a rooftop? Didn't the brother maybe buy some drugs or something? I can't remember. I thought maybe, maybe they were talking about it. If it was, know. it was brief and it is in the beginning yeah. because he dies right away. But I know they did some stuff with like, like choosing boxers. I thought it was more of like a gambling thing or like uh like they were paying boxers to take a fall or something like that. Mm-hmm. Is is more of what I thought they were doing. But I don't know, maybe they were doing drugs. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't catch that. Uh it wasn't a big part of the story. But yeah, so I had heard a few things about this movie. Mainly like, oh Ryan Gosling doesn't talk in the whole movie. You know, kind of the same thing with uh, like we talked about. And like, it doesn't seem like he like speaks less than he should be talking, you know. Like, he's just a quiet character who is kind of sticks to himself and kind of just observes and you know, only speaks when necessary. Like, it didn't seem like out of place. Like, I didn't I, I I don't really understand the criticism, especially with the style that they shot the movie. Yeah, um, if I remember right, I think he only has 19 lines of dialogue, which I mean it doesn't seem like. I, I guess that's a little or a small number for like a feature film, but um, <laughs> if you're the lead character, <laughs> but like over the course of the movie, like there's not a lot of dialogue just in general. People have 19 lines in a scene. <laughs> But uh, it's very visual. Uh, again, very visual um, based story. 
there's a lot of scenes where like the camera just shows characters being really really still <laughs> which like in some cases it can get boring like there's been other movies that i've seen where they do stuff like that and it's just like okay are they gonna do something like how long are you gonna linger on the shot but like they keep it moving quickly enough that it never seems like uh you're just staying on the, the one shot for too long like you get you know the the shot and it kind of lingers a little bit and then you move on and there's enough uh action interspersed between those shots to kind of keep you intrigued throughout so i thought he did a good job with that the uh one of the main characters is a cop with a with a sword that he keeps in his back somehow i don't know it just shows up when he needs it yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but talk about that in the spoilers yeah but like the synopsis says, uh, so his brother gets killed and then uh, normally he would go and get revenge and then he finds out why his brother was killed and he's like, maybe we don't need to do revenge on this one, you know, but his mother insists on it. And so he kind of gets, you know, tied up in that um, along with other members of their gang. And so it kind of goes from there. Uh, there's some really violent scenes. And then there's some scenes that are, like it's kind of a dreamlike uh sensation in a lot of scenes and it's i thought there were a few scenes where it's like you know hard to tell if this was really happening or if he was just like imagining it mm-hmm. i know there was for sure one scene that was a dream because it kind of cut back from out of it but i don't know uh we can kind of dig deeper into the spoilers but i enjoyed it i thought it was good like i said like Movies like this can be kind of boring if they don't, you know, keep the pacing, you know, a certain, you know, a certain way or they don't have enough action. Um, it's but, also only 90 minutes. So it's, yeah, like, that it's slow. Too. It's only slow for an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't necessarily feel slow. Like everything seemed like yeah. it had a purpose. Like even when characters were just sitting still, like, it still felt like you were learning stuff about those characters. Yeah. Like, I think Ryan Gosling's performance in this is what people thought Brad Pitt and Ad Astra was. <laughs> He's very introspective. He's always thinking. It's like, well, in, in Ad Astra, it just like, like Brad Pitt was just like staring off in the space. Whereas here, like characters actually look like they're thinking. Like they, they're trying to figure out how to get out of the situations they found themselves in. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought he did a great job with that. You know, it's not like a, I, w- I wouldn't say it's like a, a really, really great movie, but it's a very good movie. So I would recommend uh, Only God Forgives WTM eventually. Eventually. All right. Well, now let's get to the part of the show where you challenge me to watch a movie for next time. Is a challenge. Now I'm going to challenge you to a movie that uh, I haven't seen in a long time, and I want to watch it again. I saw it in the theater, and it's the remake of Assault on Precinct 13, okay. starring um, Ethan Hawke and Lawrence Fishburne. Larry. Larry Fishburne. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
I actually saw it in the theater. I didn't know it was a remake at the time, but I really enjoyed it. I bought it on DVD, and I, I think I've watched it a few times on DVD, but it's been a really long time, and I think the last time I looked at the DVD, it was uh, one of those old full-screen ones, so it's in the 4 by 3 So, but It's currently on HBO Max, so I'm going to take this opportunity to rewatch it. And uh, Eric hasn't seen it, so um, we're going to get his thoughts on that. Yeah, I like the original. Took me two times to like the original. Um, The first time I was, eh, I thought it was just okay. And then the second time I liked it a lot better, Mm. which seems to be the case for a lot of John Carpenter movies for me. But (laughs) it's, the the remake has a lot more action and there's, there's, quite a few differences that they made to the story but it's kind of the same basic premise all right well we will kind of wrap up the show now before we get into spoilers for only god forgives so if you've seen the movie you can uh stick around after the uh announcements if you will uh check out that so before we wrap it up why don't you tell the folks at home about your podcast and uh teespring as well yeah, check out the Positively Wolfy podcast. Every Friday we have unqualified commentary on allegedly real news. And then if you want some WTM merch, you can add to teespring.com slash stores slash WTM watch this movie. All right. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on, follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1. Check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com and please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. So, spoilers for Only God Forgives. So, do you know much of the backstory to this movie? Like what it's about? <laughs> what is this fucking movie about? Like within the movie itself, or like uh, both? Not well. In the movie itself, I don't know. It's uh, it's about uh, revenge, mm-hmm. I, I believe. Um, Billy, the brother, who's a real <laughs> piece of shit, <laughs> looking for a fourteen-year-old to fuck. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! When he goes to that brothel, and then he just like. He attacks the the pimp or whatever, and then yeah. he just runs into the the room and just starts beating that woman. <laughs> that was pretty jarring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he ends up uh, raping and killing a girl, and then he's I don't know he's so distraught he's just sitting in there covered in blood, and the girl's father is brought in by the police and left alone with him, and so the girl's father kills Billy. And then um, that cop is the one with the the sword that just shows up from time to time. Like, I don't know how he keeps it in his shirt, but like it's there when he needs it. Um, and he chops up the, he chops off one hand or both hands. Yeah, I can't remember. I think it was the, the father hands. of the dead girl. It was at least one hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, Ryan Gosling's character you know, he wants to get revenge on who killed his brother. And then he finds out, you know, the guy's already got his hand chopped off by the cops and finds out why he killed his brother. 
And so he says, well, maybe we'll let this one slide. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he kind of deserved it. <laughs> um, and then the mom comes in and she's, you know, no nonsense. Now, Chris has got Thomas. I think I only remember her basically from the English patient. And so, like, I don't I haven't seen her in much stuff, but she was great in here, I thought, as the diabolical mother. Now, I was wondering about the relationship she had with her sons. <laughs> why? Is, were you wondering why she knew both of their penis sizes? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a scene with her and uh, Ryan Gosling in her hotel room where they get awfully close. <laughs> uh, so I was, uh, I was a little confused on that. Yeah, they allude to some incest going on between the mother and the two sons yeah but she's heartless like she no no excuses you know she's great at that dinner <laughs> oh my god yeah with with may she keeps on calling her may right <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's my who was a, like a hooker that ryan gosling pays to tie him to a chair and then to, uh, she masturbates in front of him like that was that was his thing was to watch her masturbate while tied to a chair and he sits very still was she also the dancer in that club where he would just like sit in the corner and like she so, would yeah. like she wasn't much of a dancer she would just stand there <laughs> it, was just, it was like one of the the things that they would keep cutting to was them uh just sitting there in this like vip room and there's like the giant like booth couch around the, the edge of the room and and there's like a little stage in the one corner and she just stands there very still. And then he sits there in the corner, very still. I did like the cop doing his um, karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> well, the rest of the police sit there in silence, just, just again, very still. Nobody moves. Like there's, there's a lot of scenes like that. That, uh, that attempted assassination is pretty sweet. And they try to kill that cop. I'm trying to he's think. Like, he's like having dinner and they shoot at him with some Uzis and whatnot. Oh, yeah, yeah, He chases yeah, yeah. up to the guy and he catches him. <laughs> he throws some like hot uh, grease in his face or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They do like a drive-by at the like a sidewalk cafe. And uh, they get everybody but the cops. Mm-hmm. Or at least the, the one they wanted to get survives. Yeah. <laughs> but and he, like he cuts him... I've, I've really seen a body cut like that with a sword. Like it was like diagonal across the chest and stomach. And then he's like bending back and ugh. it was very bloody. Very violent. I did think it was funny. They did the, uh, the fist fight between Ryan Gosling and the cop. And uh, like this cop, like he's, he's very methodical. Like he doesn't move very quickly, like just in general, unless he's like chopping somebody up. But, um, and you think Ryan Gosling's this young American dude, he runs this boxing gym, like he should know his shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other guy is like a martial arts expert and he just beats the shit out of him. Gosling doesn't land one punch. <laughs> like he embarrasses him, but uh, he lets him go. I remember watching the movie in the theater the first time and I was like loving it up until that part. And I was all of a sudden like the music, you know, gets real loud and i'm like holy shit ryan gosling is gonna fight this dude this is gonna be so awesome <laughs> and then 
he just gets his ass worked. It's so one-sided. <laughs> <laughs> this is like one punch, not I mean, not one kick, not a push, not a throw, nothing. No. Well, he was he was going mostly hands. Like I don't think he yeah. was throwing kicks, but the the cop was. The cop was just like yeah, the the head movement and the footwork and like, in he front was, of his uh, hooker girlfriend too. <laughs> But his mom shows up. Like if you're uh if you haven't seen your kid in ten years, why why were you at the gym last night to watch this <laughs> fight? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, so so she said that uh Ryan Gosling was in America or uh, in Bangkok because he had killed his father. Yep. No, I don't remember them saying it was drug related or anything like that. It just sounded like the father was like abusive or something. Yeah is what I assumed. I don't know if they, they explicitly said that, but. Well, I think they also alluded to uh, the mom having an LA operation or a West coast operation. Mm, like she okay. was running drugs or I'm sure her and the husband maybe did it together. He's no longer around. So now she's the queen and uh, she's running shit over there. And then Gosling and his brother are running stuff over in Thailand. Well, I think Billy was more in charge of that stuff because Gosling seemed like he was just kind of a, like a hanger on. Like he didn't, yeah. Like he was just kind of there. He was like Michael in The Godfather. It's like, okay, you kill the, kill the police chief. Now you can go to Italy. You know, <laughs> this isn't really, this isn't a life for you. Right. You, know, you shouldn't have even done this in the first place. It probably should have been Billy that killed the father. <laughs> but, um, is yeah, like, it seems like he's. I'm guessing they just had the boxing place as a as a front. Yeah, I could see um, that. Although you'd think they could just get away with a lot more stuff in Thailand. <laughs> the yeah. laws are very relaxed. I would think in so. terms of certain things. I don't know about drugs. I know, like with the the sex trade. Yeah, they are. Oh, that's another thing. Billy goes to that brothel and he says, "Well, how many of these are actually women?" Like, no, fifty percent. I'm looking for a 14-year-old girl. Like, geez. what about your daughter? Like, he keeps wanting to <laughs> fuck these guys' daughters. Like, Jesus yeah. Christ, dude. Yeah, a little background on this movie. So Refn has said that this movie is maybe his most personal. Now, he made it uh, right after him and his wife suffered a miscarriage. And he was, they were very upset about it, of course. Now, I'm not sure to what extent or how religious Refn is, but he did talk about an interview about how he was angry with God. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who suffer tragedies, they have questions of faith, you know, if they are faithful people. And uh, he said he kind of like, it made him want to, he wanted to fight God. And so like he kind of, that provided the inspiration for him making this movie. And so... I think once you realize that the cop character is God, although I like to think of him, I'm guessing he's like an Old Testament God. <laughs> he doesn't really, uh, he doesn't seem to be doing a lot of forgiving. Right. Yeah. He, I guess if he lets them live, he's forgiving them. <laughs> like just don't just cut off a hand. That's all you need to do. But uh, that's also where he can just pull a sword out of his back when he had no sword because <laughs> he can do anything. So nobody can land a blow against him. Yeah. He's untouchable because he's 
because he's God. But uh, yeah, then the, like the, the fight with Gosling makes more sense. Uh, basically, yeah, the, the bullets, like he can't, he doesn't get bloodied the whole movie. And it seems like he knows everything, even yeah. though he, he wants information from people, but he kind of knows. It's almost like he just wants them to say it. Wants them almost to confess. like a confession. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. That makes a lot of sense. And like they're uh, cutting off the hands and whatnot is the penance they have to pay. Especially Gosling at the end. You can tell he probably just let Gosling lived because he saved his... So what he saves the, the kid, right? Does the wife still get murdered? I think so. I think they ambush the wife and then he's going to go get the kid and Gosling uh, shoots the the assassin before uh, he can shoot the kid. Yeah, so it just ends with the cop cutting off his... I think that's that's where the both arms comes in. I think Gosling holds up both arms. Or both hands to be cut off. Yeah, I can't remember. There's kind of like a like I said, there's like a dream sequence where he's he does that. Like they're in the woods or whatever, but then he like snaps out of it. Now I can't remember if they did it for real too at the end. Yeah, I think they were gonna cut off his hands at the end, and then it fade or cuts to karaoke and we fade to credits. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love the music. Uh, he's, I think it was uh, Cliff Martinez again, who Reffin, he kind of worked with on uh, Drive and uh, the Neon Demon. So you know, now that you've completed uh, the Neon Trilogy, which one is your favorite? Ooh. Um, I think I'll go, I think Only God Forgives probably is my favorite. Uh, um, they're all... Recency bias. Well, maybe. <laughs> they're all kind of on the same level like none of them are bad they're all good but like there are they're not like there isn't one that like stands like above the others mm-hmm. like they're all kind of like equal quality i think like they're all they have their similar similarities but they're different in a lot of ways too so it's i think only god forgives just slightly is my favorite of the three but like i mean that might change if i watch the other ones again or this yeah. one again um, it might just be, you know, whichever one that I watch, like you said, recently. But I don't think any of them are bad. Uh, but like I said, none of them really stands out above the others as being like, this is clearly the best. Like it it might change, you know, depending on when I watch them or, you know, I'm feeling when I watch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that... My favorite is Drive, but it's also my top five favorites of all time. So that one kind of, <laughs> it's kind of easy for me to put that first in this trilogy. Then I'd probably go Neon Demon and then uh, Only God Forgives. Although I love them all, but Neon Demon even is even, it might be in my top 25 of all time favorite. And I love that one. It was my favorite movie of 2016. And then, uh, yeah, Only God Forgives. That was one of my favorites of that year when that came out. But yeah, it was just like Reffin just, I love this trilogy of his. I just think it's pretty much like they all kind of go together. They kind of don't. I mean, they're visually, they're similar. Yeah. They they also have a lack of dialogue sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Neon Demon has some, uh, I mean, it has enough dialogue, but not a whole lot. 
like you can tell it's one of his movies like the all three of them you know he definitely has a style but i mean there's definitely a uh, like a a difference in like feel to all of them even though like it's very much his style and he does a lot of the same techniques but like i, I think each one of them kind of brings out a different feeling in the viewer as far as like you know the story and things like that yeah so i can't wait for to see what he does next uh the last thing he did was a TV miniseries for Amazon called Too Old to Die Young. And it's very similar to this trilogy in that it's, it takes place in LA. There's a lot of neon colors. Visually, it's very similar. Miles Teller plays a, a dirty cop, a dirty cop who is dating a 16 year old high schooler. So <laughs> that seems to be a theme <laughs> <laughs> with this movie, yeah. Well, even Neon Demon. Yeah, because she uh, was too young. She was uh, underage too. Maybe, uh, maybe we don't get too attached, Nicholas. Why? <laughs> <laughs> we'll admire from you know a safe distance. Well, uh, everyone who's uh, into those type of girls is portrayed as a terrible character in his movies. So none of them are shown in a positive light. So that's good. I guess that's a plus. Miles Teller's the main character in this, but he's a pile of shit the entire time <laughs> there's other people in it too i was a little disappointed in the show although i know you might like it it might be worth checking out for you it's very different very unique like it doesn't even once you get used to it and like okay i've kind of seen similar stories and shows and whatnot it, it still ends differently and it's i don't know it's very it's a, it's a unique vision for sure. But uh, I was a little disappointed in it, but I have very high expectations for anything <laughs> Refn does now. So yeah, he's working on some stuff. I think he's doing that Maniac Cop remake. Yeah, so that's in pre-production. Yeah. So we got an Italian uh, cop movie coming out, apparently. Less Italians. And the avenging silence. Don't know what that is. But yeah. Maybe I should uh, complete the trilogy uh, essay on the website <laughs> since I have uh, analysis for Drive and Neon Demon. There you go. Give you something to do. Those take me so long to do, though. Don't really have time for it right now. But uh, anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we covered it. I think we're good. All right. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why do you always shut your door, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.